da 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 Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, season one, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Welcome to the listening for the sweet spot. So this is a trigger warning. You know, I don't know if it happens to all of you, but certain times when we say things in certain ways, other people find it really offensive. So if by some chance you're triggered by the lens or the perspective, please take the time to check in with yourself and know that there's no intention here to trigger beyond a bump or a polish in the part that wants to grow. So thanks for listening and uh, take good care of yourself. I have a non-binary granddaughter. You know, those in, in the Wild Darlings community wonder what they were told or not told or, or you know, what happened for them at a young age. So, yeah. yeah I really appreciate that you're bringing the non-binary in the conversation. It hasn't really been touched on much. People kind of like have danced around it. And I wonder myself, because it's not my experience, because gender was so much more kind of directed towards me in the cues. And I think it's somewhat spiritual to not be a male or a female in identification, because as I've evolved, I honestly don't identify as a boy or a girl. I identify as Madeline or Groisha. I identify as a source of connection to the ground and the light, you know, like but I act like a boy and a girl at times. And I can see that my behavior might fall into categories, but in our spiritual self, I don't think we have gender. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder if they're not evolving spiritually in a way that they're not conceptualizing themselves in that limitation. I'm heavily influenced by the numbers of two spirits that I've met. And I would say just the opposite. I never feel the energy of that soul as being void of a gender. I always feel it as being the absolute balance between masculine and, and, and feminine, you know, that I, I can I can genuinely feel both from them. And it is very much that way with my granddaughter. Yeah. And and to say that, yeah, I don't I don't recall what went on for her? I know what went on for me, you know, when I came upon my moon time, which is the answer to your first question. And my mother went to big, big da-da's happened. In fact, even before, I'm sorry, before, probably two or three years before I began bleeding, she had, you know, she went to this thing. We lived in a big, uh, what would you call it? An apartment complex, <laughs> 20 buildings, a lot, lot of buildings, 18 floors each building in New York, off New York Boulevard, Rochdale Village. And so they have walls inside of there and schools and centers and stuff. Something was being given. Now, of course, you know, this is back in the day of the pad, Kotex pad and the menstruation, and they have to show you a film and go through the whole thing. Yeah. And that's and that that was her way of of so many other parts that came in afterwards for me in terms of rites of passage or initiation into a women's society or like a whole row of things that came in to reinforce 
where I where I am. And although I totally appreciate my my masculine side, I had to because it it I probably would have left my marriage 20 years ago if I hadn't established who I was married to on the inside here. So yeah, so fire away whenever you're ready. Because <laughs> okay. I'll probably wind up repeating all of this. But okay. yeah. All right. Very distinctive. Thank you. All right, everyone. Welcome to our new voice. Today I have this wonderful opportunity to speak with the dear sister Sangoma, who's just ran into me and I ran into her in synchronized ways, the way the universe does. And as it's come to be, we align in many ways how we pray and we have different circles, but I'm honored to have her voice here to answer the questions and see how things grow in a deeper connection. So welcome, Sangoma. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. You know, whenever I'm in your presence or looking at your smile, there's such a happiness in me. And I kind of hear that that Stephanie rule for, for our, our little gang. This is, we, we're not the girls with the band, but we are the band. You know, whether, <laughs> whether it's light beings or spirit beings or whoever the band is, we be all of that. So, yes, I love having you on a Monday afternoon. That is awesome. Oh, that's how we go. Thank you, Sangoma. My honor as well. So how were you informed of your gender? Like, how did you get the message of how to kind of grow yourself around your gender if you do, in fact, identify as a gender? Yes, I do. I very, very, very much uh, identify women, queen, crown, matriarch. And and by a series of how my life has been and in my mother's passing, that felt to me being the oldest child, younger brother would take me back to, you know, to look at myself as a being. And I appreciate probably before, let's see, I left New York at around 11. So I would say probably around nine or 10, my mother moved into this preparation of prepare your daughter for puberty. And this is what she needs to know. And before that time, to be quite honest with you, I probably thought I was a star being because, you know, my <laughs> friends were the moon and the sun and I had real conversations with them and real conversations with the spirit. And other than my grandmother, who was very much like me and gifted with the sight, like, I, that's just the way I thought about people, whether or not you were sighted <laughs> or, or you were watching Ed Sullivan, you know, you were just in the mundane world. And then, yeah, my my mom just took me to this gathering. I, as I was saying, I grew up in Rochdale Village in, in New York. And uh, so that's a lot of people because 20 buildings, 18 stories high. And so in the middle center, whatever that was called, the community center, they were having a big moms bring your daughters to this kind of thing. And we're going to show you all of the available Kotex ads. And we're going to show your daughter all about menstruation. And you won't have to have that awkward conversation with her. Just bring her in the room and we're going to give her all the information she needs about being in a female body. So that, that was a definite. And I remember it well. And interestingly enough, it wasn't until Three years later or four years later, I was a late bloomer down south where I had other things to occupy my mind, like colored round back signs and the height of integration and busting and all types of things that were going on in our country in 1969. 
And uh, so I didn't think a lot about it. And to, to be honest with you, if we were going on a, a church picnic and, I, you know, that was when you, you had your good friends at church and you bought similar outfits so you could look just alike at the picnic and everything like that. So me and my friend Rosemary had done all of that. And as I was preparing to get on the bus, ah, lo and behold, there is the blood. And I was like, whoa. And I had completely forgotten the setup back in New York. <laughs> like, what did they start screaming? Yeah, I thought I had cut myself. I didn't know what had happened. Where's the blood? What's happening? <laughs> and so, you know, because interestingly enough, my brother who died of AIDS and, and was gay, I, I couldn't see that division. He wasn't a boy's boy, obviously, growing up younger than me. Like, he was very interested in making the doll clothes with me or playing with the dolls. And so I wouldn't have known by him. And, and then as I moved up past that cycle, I found women to be unsafe. And <laughs> it's, it's really how I felt. I felt. I felt just as a being more safe in the company of young men than I did young women. I found them to be very treacherous. <laughs> like they could say one thing to you very easily <laughs> and do something else. And I, I was like, wow, like that, that doesn't feel good. Oh, I went through this tomboy period where just literally many more of my friends were males and, you know, off on into college, which I had a an interview, uh, I guess, about two weeks ago with one of my roommate, my actual roommate, who I walked in on in Bullock Hall, and she was doing a radio program in New York on uh, WEMS. And so that's 47 years of friends that we have been friends, which was mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And when I think in this conversation that we're having, it would be those other four girlfriends in college that I, I would feel that we all agreed that we raised each other here, regardless of what we had been given by friends, high school, parents, or anything before we got to Clark. When we got to Clark, we raised each other. We did. We, we, we answered a lot of questions that other places didn't answer about sex, boyfriends, going to jail, being an activist, <laughs> like, and on and on and on. We raised each other. And so, yeah. It's, it's, that. That's beautiful, the idea of raising each other, and especially when it comes from a place where you didn't feel safe, and then you found a container to feel safe, and explored yourself in a safe container. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. something that you do. I mean, that's what you create for people when you do your gatherings and you bring people together. You, you like myself, you make safe containers. Absolutely. Allow people to be explored because yeah. that's the safest thing you can do. To and it has to be safe. Mm -hmm. More and more and more as we move even now through these evolutions like that. You know, I, I bet it was big for a lot of people maybe 10 years ago. It's really big for me now because... I am seeing the the constraint on on souls that are really working to get free and and the difference is whether they feel safe or not. That 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 just makes the whole difference. So let's touch on it because it's such a great topic like we'll just a little diversion. What do you think makes a space safe? Like what do you think it is that creates safety for people? It's a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Obviously, people that are and, and, you know, I would maintain that we all carry some level of trauma, period, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether that's personal to our own childhood or the family we grew up in or the neighborhood we grew up in or the race 
we grew up in or the religious structures we expect you to. And so whatever all of those pressures are in our growing up have been to know what level of trauma we're working with. So for some people, safe is actually not being talked over, (laughs) actually being in a space where they recognize that other people are actually exquisitely listening and not only hearing what their words are saying, but what their soul and their body language is saying. And there's, there's a sigh and a wow, and there's a comfort that comes for them that they're not used to because that's where their trauma was. Other people who were raped or physically abused or sexually assaulted have different safety factors in this realm we're talking about. They're going to feel safer in a room of their own gender than they would in a room of the opposite sex. And and so, you know, and whether the the people don't know them at all, that's another big one I come up against. A lot of times I think that I can be so foreign and different from someone that would normally be in the orbit of a person like this, that they feel safe to say whatever they want to say. And, and, and then to recognize that I, I don't have a judgment card. I don't have any judgment in, it, in me at all. I purely will listen to you from heart. And, and then we'll go from there is, it's so important. It just so is important. This past week here, we had to bring one of my younger grandsons over, just, you know, took him to the dentist and it had been a bad day at school. And the next thing you know, he told a room full of people he was going to hang himself from a tree. And in these days in South Carolina for a little black boy, 12 years old to say that it'll rupture a lot of people's nerves which it did. And of course, they wanted my daughter to sign him into some mental place and things within hours. I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. You you are not going to have strange people that you don't even know and your son doesn't even know to like traumatize him further than wherever he is. We're going to bring him out to Grammy and Gramsci. And he loves his papa, him and his papa is real tight. You know what I'm saying? And so that was a big part of finding. And when you can't be with the person all the time, but you have to give them certain tools of safety that they really feel that they have confidently when they're afraid, no matter what they're afraid of, be it the bully at school, be it the teacher, whatever it is, be it a, a, a policeman with a gun, because... Daily, you see policemen killing people who look like you on the television. And so, you know, all of these things. And I continued to say that. I said, you know, as as trampling as this has been for the adults, imagine what it is for the children. Imagine what they are taking in and trying to feel mature about and not be like a wimpy little sissy person. Of course, little boys don't want to do that, but they're afraid. Bottom line, bottom line, they're afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck with that adventure. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was good. He, you know, by the second day he was here and I had him, you know, stay with Papa, go to work with Papa, and then just a lot of nurturing, you know, getting him up and real softly and have some tea this morning. Things that don't normally happen at his house at all. There are, yeah, there are six other brothers and sisters in there. He is not going to get the king treatment. And and by two days, you know, 
His whole, just his whole countenance looked different. His skin color looked different. Just an ease over him. So he left in, in pretty good spirits. And Ms. Bobo was like, okay, so call me on Friday evening. You know, I'll come get you. And, and again, just, you know, sometimes when we are that traumatized or afraid, it seems very abandoned. We seemed abandoned or alone, or there's no one to help me, or I have to figure this out all by myself. Yeah. And, and that's a big piece of it. You know, his, his, his older brother, who he knew should something happen at school, Ja'Cory was right there. Well, Ja'Cory pushed off to high school this year. So now Jacoby is the oldest one with two younger ones under him. So it was, you know, a combination of a lot of things that he was feeling Harmos jumping, moving into puberty himself from 12 to 13, you know, a ton of things coming into play. But safety in the large factor, because I mean, isn't it real? We can talk this like nice, you know, kumbaya end of it, beloved, and then look at the the other polarity of the fear and where it has taken people in their absolute lack of common sense or judgment in the bigger world swinging around us right now. And then we realize how dangerous it is for any of us to be in situations where we are stuck. We have no go-to or no intuitive response to our own fear. And we, and we really have to. So I'm just so glad that this new voice is here and that we can have more of these conversations that just helps people remember their options. Because I think options has gotten kind of stunned out of the room. We're just stunned. <laughs> it's like Gil Scott said all those years ago, America leads the world in shots, girl. Just when we think we were halfway wrapping our mind around, well, we got another one coming tomorrow. And and we and you know, we're like, what's the think about that? Whoa. <laughs> you know? True, true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm lucky and I say that to people all the time because a lot of people said they say, you know. You don't even seem like you are afraid of too much. And I said, well, you know, I, my mother's mother really helped me as a young girl. She always told me, live every day as if it's your last. And I explored that. I didn't just take that as an old grandma saying. I really explored what that meant. You know, death has no sting. What does that mean? And, and, and of course, then you'd live long enough and go to death's door nine times as I have. <laughs> And no death up close personal. <laughs> then you go, oh, okay, I, I see what that means. You go almost there, almost to or, or like in a spiritual midwife, you sit with a number of people who do cross over and you will get to experience some of that in the places in between the world and your fear is less. And every person that I've ever uh, sat with or attended as they in their death thing, they were afraid. It was definitely a situation of, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, even as my brother was passing, we, he and I had to talk a couple of days before he passed. He said, what's it? What's it? Am I going to get cold? Is it going to get dark? Like he really wanted to know literally what to prepare for so he could handle that level of fear. He didn't want to be afraid to die and be afraid of dying. It seemed kind of counterproductive, you know. Yeah, I had that kind of experience with my father when he was dying. It was definitely like those conversations. But thankfully, he could see all the angels in the room. He could experience that there was something there. And I said, and yeah. they're all for the good, Dad. Yeah. You know, whatever is going to yeah. happen, you're only going to get sweeter. I mean, you know that this is a revolving yeah. door. You know that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And isn't that amazing? That happened with my brother. I, when they started coming in, I was just in my glory. Him and my mom. I said, oh, Michael's here. <laughs> it was like a reunion for me. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How the hosts come in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, well, thank you. This is so rich. So let's see. We're wondering now, as you learned about yourself, how did you develop who you are in relationships? I mean, I guess, you know, you've identified matriarch and queen and so mm -hmm. When you were in romantic relationships, when you were mothering, like, how did you come to know yourself more through your relationships? And that soul really stuck out. That star seed piece really stuck out. Mm -hmm. I recognized quickly, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think back to first boyfriend. Yeah, I got him, Dwayne, up in Schenectady, New York. And... <laughs> You can hear all the good, you know, R&B songs and all and holding hands and da-da. <laughs> but I have to say that my soul, and, and I can, you know, look how many years, that's like over 50-some years ago now we're talking about. But even then, I understood what it was to share your autonomy or sovereignty with another person, <laughs> be they male or female or whoever, whoever this person was that was going to claim to just like be so romantically or lovingly connected to you. There was just something in my being that kept understanding that I have a part of me, okay? I got this part of me. And like, this is a part of me that we share, but I still got this part of me. And it would always show up. And it didn't show up in a bad way. It didn't. It didn't show up competing with that coupleness. It didn't show up in like, oh, I want to do things that you're not interested in or whatever, whatever. Like it, it didn't create a conflict. It just said, and I still, I continue to say that to this day. I, I, I say to most people that I think are intimately close to me one way or another in whatever relationship that I am my own best company. And no matter how close you, you become to me, you will never surpass the me that loves me because I really, I really love, and it's not, it's, that's not an ego thing because I think the me that I fell in love with many, many, many years ago was really ancestors and spirit guides and, 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 and you know, energies not in body <laughs> was who I would push everyone else out of the room or out of the relationship with me because I needed to spend time in that spirit realm with myself and I've lived there all my life and I imagine I'll die there. I mean, I just really love being there a lot. Yeah, equal to husband of 30 years, equal to three beautiful daughters, 12 beautiful grandchildren, three beautiful great-grands, amazing kindred of friends and comrades that I've been through infinite experiences with. Love, 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 love. Mm -hmm. But I also love my my personal and sacred space. That relationship is huge for me. I love that. So you didn't struggle with codependency or addiction or that kind of stuff. That wasn't your field. So like, I think from hearing you, I'm I'm real. I'm responding in in my own in, inner world and very much have had my own space that I've always been able to go to and enjoy. And quite honestly, the most irritated I get is when I don't get enough of that space. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. when you 
when you put me in the woods or you put me somewhere with myself for a little while, I come back and I'm like, hey, what's up? How's it all going? How are we going to do it? You know, like we all yeah. good. But it's if I'm so in the in the throes of the dynamics and attempting to, I guess what has been my greatest limitation in the way I in, I informed myself with shame at some point, right? some point I allowed shame to become a vibrational dance, right? Even though I don't know now that I ever believe I ever needed to feel shame or anyone really needs to feel shame. But when you internalize the world in a way that you feel ashamed about something, it can make your your lens different. So you might do more, give more, try to make up for stuff. You know, that base kind of energy that gets gets distorted. And a lot of women my age in our 50s, you know, I, I think we came out of that more 1950s codependent addict kind of template, you know, and we were kind of evolving out of it. And our kids want nothing to do with that style of loving a relationship, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm appreciating what you're saying about the value of that sacred relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's been put to the test. My first marriage was, you know, an alcoholic and abusive, physically abusive. And that I'm telling you that that inside of me stood right up and said, oh, no, you can't, you can't stay beloved. I have three daughters in no way, shape or form. Do I want them to eyewitness this level of crazy as if this should be something that they're going to grow up to? Oh, no, you're out. You're gone. <laughs> so it was the girl who was father? Uh -huh. It was your daughter's father? Yes, it was their father. But I, you know, over and above my own safety or my own whatever, the second, because then, you know, it's a long way down and, and the physical abuse was right at the tail end because I'm not that girl. You know, I'm not that girl. And so when we saw that, you you know, you done moved past breaking televisions and phones and things and now think that you, you're her Corona's child. No, Corona's child is the mother of three daughters and the law here. The law here as their mother is that they may never witness something to this degree. I'll give, give a damn who you are, their daddy, who you are. You know what I mean? Because I would not expect them to then sacrifice their own bodies or their emotional health or their mental health for whatever reason, because they saw their mama take that. Oh, no, boo. Uh -uh, not happening. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's. You know, and I, I, I do, I think I, I, not, I think I know I've come from strong women, many of whom I've met. You got to realize I met grand aunties, not just aunties, like grand aunties. What? I saw who they were in their house, in their community, in their church. I also saw who their husbands were or were not. And, and that, you know, when you say what informed you of your relationships, most definitely, most definitely, I come from a long line of very dignified women, women that barely raise their voice or curse, you know, the big hats in church, the waters of ISIS, you know what I mean? And so there's a very much a code of conduct about what it is to be a woman. Mm. And, and that is not denying any of the masculine. You know what I mean? It's just like the wonder of my firstborn daughter who could pop the hood of a car and do anything that a man could do in there mechanically. I can't, not a gift of mine. Well, it, it's interesting for me that way that we've now come to a place where some beings feel very trapped in the wrong body or are very sensitive to, again, the influences or how they are informed or expected to dress or be or act that that didn't even exist in my world 30, 40 years ago. 
and it's a great teaching to build on in your classes and the mystery schools and things you bring because to make that relationship you're one with the sacred with the essence and the core and the source i mean that's going to override a whole lot of that intrusive uh mix it really does it really yeah. i said it i don't even know i teach so much during the week beloved but that very oh it's a client and she was speaking to me getting into a little Orisha ceremonies and different things. She would go, yes, I put on my dress white. And we went and we did the ceremony. She said this like at least four or five times in the space of five minutes, right? And so, and, and it hit me just like that. And I said, you know, what happens after the ceremony is over and you take off the whites? Mm-hmm. You know, where I live, the spirit is all in all in all rooms of the house. It is not in a particular room that I was in a minute ago and I left that room and I turned it out, turned the light off. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. People, this is when we wonder about the duality or why Christianity didn't work or because you were one way on Sunday and then you got to be a whole nother way the six other days. And so mm-hmm. that duality, that's gone. Resolution of duality is like here. <laughs> not only about to go into the age of Aquarius, but we're here. here and it doesn't it doesn't work for you to to wear the many masks and then give thanks. I think through that teaching, it, it opens up so much, Madeline. It really, I have found, has opened uh, both men and women and non-binary folk into their people pleasing masks mm-hmm. and, and and what 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 we were really willing to pretend that we are or are not for the sake of the others around us. Mm-hmm. And, and to a large degree, that, that limited their relationship with the sacred because they were so busy tending the people-pleasing relationships that, you know, the, the, the sacred relationship got neglected. When actually, you're right, it should have been first and then a whole lot of mother problems wouldn't even have existed. It's a great way to initiate children understanding their relationship to the earth, right? Because there's a way that through the elements, since we're made of them, we really do have a foundation of wholeness all the time. All the time. Like the trees that grow, we're just here to respond to what happens in our life. It's never meant to change our form. We're always in alignment to assignment. But when we let ourselves change to form to try to match something else, like you say, we lose our sacredness. And Absolutely. why lose our sacredness when that's what we got? You got to yeah. rock what you got. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's yeah. good. So then the next part we're going to is, as a person, how do you, you kind of already answered this, I think, but we'll ask anyway, how do you discern truth? Like, how do you know for yourself when something is in alignment? Like, how do you kind of identify that for yourself? That definitely is a uh, born in the call gift. And and you were one of those that has been lucky. Not many people, interestingly enough. I haven't gotten to really share that particular offering, being born in the call, which for the sake of people listening to this, I'll go into is so the old granny midwives say when uh, a mother's water didn't break and the child came was born, we came out with part of the ambionic stack very much clutching over our eyes. And as the the midwives or the nurses, whoever was at your birth, would peel that away from your eyes, they they understood, they would say immediately, oh, this is a child that walks in both worlds. And that, I guess if you have it and you recognize it, like the question you're asking me now, 
how how is your in, in, intuitive body so high that it can know things before it happens? Or even if a phone rings, you already know who's on the other end of the phone or how how does that happen? It's in that place. It's in that place of of being a soul that walks with a foot in both worlds. And for me, I'm I haven't been fooled by much ever. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ever. See, just like you said that, like codependency or, you know, betrayal or, you know, you just went for the okadoke, poured your whole heart into this, you know, got disappointed or never because what leads out in front of me guides me to all truths and anything that is not in that truth, it is immediately brought to my attention. Mm -hmm. Immediately brought to my attention. It's interesting on the Wild Darlings call last night. Mother Jaguar was on there and she was, she had already asked when we got this, you can't see it, but the whole wall here is covered with their altar of, a, it's like a big vision board. Right. And she had asked me to put up here for her how to gain harmony in relationships with women. Mm -hmm. She's around your age. Mm -hmm. And when she said it, and I knew what was happening because I've been in her presence and like you, big earth mama, you know, if anybody walks in your presence or walks in Mother Jaguar's presence, you just know this is a woman that rocks with the earth. You just know that, you know what I mean? And and so then by everything that she said to tell the other darlings what was happening, oh, envy, jealousy, people are intimidated and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, are they talking behind my back and so forth and so on? How did the ancestors bring it to her boo? She was on the phone. And these are people that she has not met yesterday. She's known for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and she says she was on the phone with one young lady. In fact, that the, in the coming up, she was a single mom. And the way that they got to know each other was that Mother Jaguar had helped her and watched her children and, and, and helped her get back on her feet and everything. She says she was on the phone with her. And they got through talking. And what happens, Madeline, when the ancestors really want you to know something, boo? That person will probably sit the phone down thinking they hung up the phone, but they didn't. And she was allowed to hear the daughter, whoever she was talking. I don't know why that bitch keep calling me one notice, that, and the other. Well, the word be out your mouth would let me know it was never really my friend. Right. So she got smacked into that that level of betrayal. And I just I just know that that definitely is a spiritual gift that lives inside of me and the sacred that, you know, when I meet people most immediately, I have a read on them. Trustworthy, not mm -hmm. love hugs. Good. Keep them close. Keep them at a distance. Like, I guess this whole body of ancestors that is me mm -hmm. has you know, some real um, navigation <laughs> about because truth is important to me, you know, and, and that I was raised on that principle by all of those grand aunties that say, if you lie, you cheat, you cheat, you steal. So it wasn't easy no matter who it was, teacher, children, other friends, boyfriends, no matter who it was, the second that you bent the truth, say you didn't even lie, you just bent the truth or you made it conveniently arranged, maybe so it was more palatable for you or so you thought palatable to me, but it immediately threw a flag up in the air for me. My spirit would, would throw a flag up if all truth 
is not present. It just happens. It's like people get goosebumps or the hair races up on their neck. Like a million things happen is to answer that question. I relate to that. So yeah. let me just say to those listening, you know, I, I agree that, you know, truth is definitely a value to obviously me and Sangoma and we have our own ways of doing it. But sometimes in my experience anyway, my intuition or my road would lead me into places that were ridiculous that I can't believe I had to live through, but it was for really good reason. reasons. And like, I now really understand because I am able to fly like an eagle sometimes and see the big picture that my life has been designed to live through some of the discomfort and the situations that were mine to foster the understandings that I need to be the grandmother that I am today, right? So- mm-hmm. Our life is here to inform us. And as quickly as we can take in the lessons and make home and make peace with what we learn, we can continue to grow and become more of who we're here to be. And so when the turn says, what, how could it, how come it's not like, just listen. I mean, I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with the grandmothers in the center of the earth going, no way, no, I'm not doing that. It's like, that's where you're going. Let's go put on something pretty. This is where you're going today. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, no, oh, I don't want to go. No. And it's like, and you're going. And it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And that's just like that deeper, like you said, that other foot or whatever it is that has a loud voice. And I mean, honestly, without that voice, I wouldn't have made so many of the decisions I made. Because if I allowed the influx of all the mixed messages to come in, I would have just been running on a, you know, instant gratification game. And like, I don't play like that because I want to do what's going to be here forever. Like, I'm not looking to just scratch my itch. I'm looking to change it so we don't call each other bitch. And we tell her straight up, like, yo, I'm not feeling what you're saying. Can we talk about this? Can you back down a little bit? Like, your tone's a little off. Like, you know how many people have had to say that to me? You see how I am? I'm loud and shit. (laughs) People, the other day I had this one girl saying, Madeline, please just change your tone. I can't even listen. <laughs> it's like, oh, I was just so excited. I didn't even realize I was power hosing her, you yeah. know? So it's like, yeah. we have to recognize that we're all helping each other tune into our sacredness when we allow yeah. that to happen too, right? Yeah. And you know, if somebody asked me for guidance or what would I advise to, to live from that place of um, you trust your gut, nothing but your gut, the, 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 the bottom line. I would always say to them, be wary of the easy answers, you know, because, that, yeah, as you were speaking, I was trying to think back to why am I that way? Why why do I really pay attention when the hair goes up on my neck or whatever, whatever? And usually it's that way, like something appears too easy. And it's not that I'm a pessimist. I'm not. I'll, I'll go all the way down the faith lane, you know, faith <laughs> the substance of things not seen. I totally respect the mystery. But easy answers, particularly in the truth of our feelings or whether or not another person is actually in possession of the thing that they try so hard to pitch you on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that'll throw, throw a flag up for me immediately. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, yeah. so last question, we'll wrap up, is what are a couple of values, you know, two, three, whatever you have, that you feel could be shared values for us at this time, like things that we could, you know, grow from that would be a shared foundation for how we start to inform ourselves and our children? Yeah. 
We, uh, we've been centering a lot in, in uh, the conversation Jonathan Santos and I have, and I do invite everyone to check out the Changemaker series through Green Songs, probably the next four Saturday nights. And he and I, even though we had a couple of planning sessions <laughs> before we um, got into the Zoom call, we were right in this question here. Well, right, if there's a message, message in his music, message in my sacred activism that we would really want more than anything to give people who felt like they were just short-ended in the tool department right here. It, 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 it's a bigger conversation and that's why I ask people to tune in about, particularly for BIPOC folk, particularly for people of color right now that are suddenly like been shook out of the seat that they were trying so hard for so many years to have at the right table, to be invited to sit in the right seat at the right table and be respected and welcomed and, and, and just really feel like a part of that table. And they've been shook from that table, okay? George Floyd and a lot of other events here now blew that table apart. And what's left is finding the value of your own self, soul, company, everything you and I have kind of said in this conversation mm -hmm. that, that has your own table. It's your own table. And, and now all of a sudden, yeah, like me, I visit no less than 20 tables a week and other people's Zoom calls, this and that and other. But it is just a visit. I'm not, I'm not buying to sit it there, you know. And trust, I have been asked. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because that's where we're at now, right? You know, you got to have that bipart person on the board and won't you sit in this seat and won't you sit in that seat and won't you sit in that? No, actually, I won't. Actually, I won't. And, and, and it's not because I want to be mean or segregated or, or, or devalue, devalue your, the, you know, the bodies, the larger bodies need to feel better about themselves or whatever that is. It is the point that we must hold up the truth now, back to the question we was just on. <laughs> okay, and the truth is, You've been making an invitation that you didn't have nothing to back up the invitation with. And me sitting in the seat accepting the invitation really was just perpetuating your harm rather than your good. So I'm going to sit out here. I'm going to let you keep working on the invitation. Mm -hmm. And in the BIPOC conversations that I found, particularly with Native Americans who now can really fully say, no, we never liked the word Indian at all. And matter of fact, this and this and this, people. It's not just the Jeeps you ride in. It's not just the Cherokee Jeeps that you riding in or, or the totems you have on your baseball or your football teams, okay? There's actually quite a few things that hurt us on top of a wounded knee, on top of a history of massacres, okay? And so I, I, I offer to people value the truth and stop at nothing to get it. Because I think in the debrief from, from one of those big ones, about 40 people on that call through the Vermont Wilderness School there with the, with the Arawak. And over and above the amazing course, I did my homework when I saw the white people up in the black churches. I knew a lie was told. And so I investigated where's the lie. But a lot of people didn't do that. And what I, you know, this is a wonderful thing. 
when you can look at all the faces and all the boxes at the same time, baby, some of them people was broke. They was broke, lost, <laughs> confused. They didn't, they didn't understand to what level America's lies and deception was. Like, that's what was just amazing, person after person after person. Like, they knew a little piece of it, but what these, it was a wonderful workshop, four-hour workshop, and these Native Americans say, come, look, let me show you through my lens. <laughs> Let me let me show you how the story was passed down from my people and told to me as being experienced by us. Mm-hmm. Not how it's written in your history book, how it how it, it feels in here for us. Mm-hmm. And boy, a bunch of people in the room was just not really ready to hear that much information. So I wanted to remember where that goes, though, right? Because when we hear that, if we go back in our conversation that we're all persons of color at some level and we've all lived many lifetimes in these different roles, like, yes, it's important for us to know the truth of what happened because of the way we were, the the story was played down. That's not okay, right? We need to understand (laughs) the capacity of how hurtful we could be to one another. But like you, I mean, I've traveled in lots of different circles and I've been offered opportunities to train and become part of certain altars and this and that. And I said, I don't need an altar. I have an altar. I've had an altar my whole life. Like I'm not looking to join an altar, but I definitely want to acknowledge how people have had to live. And I want to create a way that we can become more kind and soulful in interactions with one another. But we have to be careful not to shame because I think sometimes when people think they're part of that, it creates that shame current. And that has really been intrusive to our wellness. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about it and I'm glad that the Red Brothers and Sisters went first. And I said that to the people, you know, that's looking toward us to, to come next. And I said, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, there's a thousand differences there for number one, the Red people are much more in touch with their creation stories than the African American, the average African American person in in the United States, and so there are differences. But I think that where I will go is the point that that you just made that that you know for each person that was on that call, there are a hundred people that haven't read White Fragility yet that don't know anything about it, and they're not interested in, in getting in on the Zoom calls. You know, they're in another reality, and and what what pulls that up and brings those tears and and puts them in that state of shock is that they have had a past life. Yeah. One of them people in color. That's what yeah. comes up. Yeah. It's those of your little memory why it hurts them so bad. Exactly. And because you are in a white skin this time don't mean shit because look how you feel on the inside. Yeah. You feel like tragedy hit you personally because yeah. it probably did. It may, and may we continue to evolve out of this duality consciousness wholeheartedly and, and wholeheartedly. Put our personal altars and be inspired <laughs> by each other. And I just send such blessings to your work. I'm just trying to see the time and be conscious of the hour you gave me and not take more. Did I do it? Because I wasn't watching the time. I yeah, we're very close. We can have such good conversations. We got to do this more often, girl. Yeah. I yeah. really like that. Like I said with Nova, like the our new voice. I don't know if you're starting of your own, but if we could, even if the one you have, just add yeah. those voices because yeah. the intention is, as you'll see with the logo, it's just to bring all the feathers together, like the rings around the tree, like in those rings that have been our humanity's tree, we've got some trauma, we've got some hurt, we've got some confusion. We've been in an illusion. I mean, come on straight up, right? Straight up. Like, That's what's up. 
So like, so we're they don't crack now. that eggs open, baby. They don't crack that thing wide open now. Yeah. So whatever, <laughs> whatever's been holding you back from thinking you had some story to lock, like it's time to put it down because you got a crown. Like everybody's got a reason to be here. Everybody's aligned for something beautiful. So let us forgive each other. Let us listen to each other. Let us honor each person's path. And nobody has to wear a trophy for their pain. Just come back to your wholeness again. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry that it hurt. Exactly. Yeah. And may you come back to your truth. That's really yeah. what we pray for every single yeah. day. We're going to get there. I have such, I just believe we're going to get there. Maybe not in your lifetime or mine, but I believe that as tough as this was, and it was tough, anybody would tell you <laughs> that from 2016, who knew, who knew, who knew even from January of this year, the things that we would go through, but it was necessary to the very point that you're making in order for us to know that we were sick and tired of being sick and tired, or we were tired of being trapped, or we just wasn't in love with the hamster cage or the hamster wheel no more. <laughs> and it was, it really is okay to color outside the lines now and have the fun with it. And all of that is part of our wholeness. You know, I was on some shadow work earlier this week. Wasn't quite what I expected, but it's, it was still good. And um, for all those people that have hovered and been afraid and, 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 and just lived in the shadows all these years, I just feel all of them coming out into the sunshine now, girl. Coming out into the sunshine like they're ready to play. We're going to tune out. Everything's vibrational. And I love what the Om Namo Guru Dev Namo does when we open up a space. And I find that that sunshine song that Yogi Bhajan brought in my Kundalini training that I picked up in 2011, I really think it's a beautiful way to send people on their way. So in this closing, we're going to use the sunshine song. So make your heart big and ready to receive. Thank you for all the safety and the clarity that came in the conversation here today. Let go. Here we grow. Breathe a long time sunshine upon you. All love surround you. And a pure light within you. Guide your way home. May the long time sunshine upon you. All love surround you. And the pure light within you. Guide your way home. Guide your way home. Guide your way on. Peace to all, love to all. May all of our obstacles be overcome with ease and grace. May we live and grow as one, like the moon and the sun and the forest too. Aum Matakios and Kalasukumadi, Omateo. Blessings, everyone. Have a good one. Turning in all the directions. Calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, 
Check out the website, gwtestfamily.com, and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what will soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle